Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of the America of America podcast. I'm Will Milam. I want to begin this episode by thanking you guys. First of all, I just want to thank everybody who took the time to listen to our first episode that came out last Monday. I was shocked in the best way possible at the amount of listens we got, at the amount of feedback I got, and I I was most impressed with just the amount of stories I received from people that listened to the show that immediately contacted me with their personal experiences of learning about Oklahoma history or things that have happened to them in their life or their family's lives. I do want to apologize at some of the sound quality on that first episode, especially the editing quality. It's been a big learning curve for me, which is why I decided to just go ahead and re-record this second episode, which we will be talking about Howdy Folks in the Battle of Cherokee Mound. I have recorded an episode on this subject, but going back and realizing that the sound, the, the sound and production quality is just not where I want it to be, so I've decided to just go ahead and re-record it. So, with that, let's dive into the Oklahoma State poem, Howdy Folks. As a bit of necessary background information, it's important to know that Howdy Folks was written by David Randolph Milston, who we'll get to in a second. But the poem itself was published in 1941, but the poem itself refers to the Will Rogers Memorial being dedicated in Claremore, Oklahoma in November of 1938. What will become apparent is that the poem is written from Will Rogers' perspective, specifically his perspective from heaven. So with that, here's Howie Folks. Well, here goes some scribbling that's a little past due, but I reckon I'm always a-thinking about you. I've been reading the papers in my own little way, and I see where you messed up my last birthday. Through divine television, I caught the dedication and heard some tributes by a mighty swell nation. Now that's a powerful, nice shack you built on the hill, but that's just like the Sooners. It gives them a thrill. I never did nothing to cause all that fuss, and sometimes, folks, I could almost cuss. But during you, I love you. I guess it's my pride that chokes me all up and hurts me inside. I heard Jesse, Irvin, Cohen, and Fred, and Ammon and Eddie of what nice things they said. I always called Claremore a big little town, with guys like Mort Harrison and others around. I see where Joe Cross and Wing there for a day. Remember him, Wiley? We slept all the way. But I'll tell you the part which touched me the most, and it ain't like me to speak up and boast. It was when dear Mary pulled the curtain string for my act in bronze, what a homely thing. But I guess it was the sentiment that filled the place, cause my kids kind of cried and I saw Betty's face. God bless my old partner, she held up her head, and though none of you heard me, she knew what I said. And I spied Sister Sally with a shy little glance, she's all the West means, charm and romance. Old Joe had a job chiseling my mug, why... I got more wrinkles than a Navajo rug, so you're honoring Oklahoma with a replica of me. Move over, Sequoia, for another Cherokee. Well, much obliged, friends, for that money you spent, and for the words that were spoken by our president. I wish you had erected a memorial to peace. We'd all be happy up here if war talk would cease. But I ain't ungrateful. I just can't see such a hullabaloo about a cowboy like me. Well... 
So long, folks, it's time to retire. I gotta keep up a date with Odd McIntyre. So, if you've never heard that before, that is the official state poem of Oklahoma. Is this a good poem? That you can answer for yourself. I have my opinions, which I will leave aside. But the important thing to remember is what Randolph Milson was going for was to put words in Will Rogers' mouth in the way that he would have said them had he been alive and had been there. And in that way, I do think the poem succeeds. And to understand why the poem succeeds, we need to understand two things. One is David Randolph Milston, and second is Claremore, Oklahoma. Randolph Milston was born in 1903 in Tulsa at what time would be Indian Territory, as Oklahoma was not granted statehood until 1907. He went to the University of Oklahoma for undergrad before going to Yale Law School and moving back to the Tulsa area and practiced most of his law career in Tulsa. Milston's legacy, however, is as a biographer and a poet. His most famous poetry uh, came in two volumes, the first being Before My Night and another volume of poetry called The Morning After. None of these are in print, but if you just type into your Google search engine and look for used copies, they're pretty readily available. Secondly, he was known for being a biographer and even wrote a biography of Will Rogers called Will Rogers, the Cherokee Kid, which was one of the early great biographies of Will Rogers. As you can see, this made him the perfect candidate of composing the state poem, especially since the state poem was about Will Rogers. After the poem's author, the second most important piece of information is the poem's setting, which is Claremore, Oklahoma. Now, for our listeners who are not from Oklahoma or not uh, familiar with Oklahoma geography, Claremore is located in the really northeast area of Oklahoma, and it needs its own background story. Today's Claremore sits as the county seat of Rogers County, named after Will Rogers, and sits squarely in the heart of the modern Cherokee Nation. It also serves as a major suburb of Tulsa and is home to some of the great football players in Oklahoma high school history, including Brindley Wayne Brown. Go Zebras! But interesting enough, Claremore is not a Cherokee name nor was it originally a Cherokee settlement. Claremore was originally settled in the very early 19th century by a band of Osage Indians, led by their leader, Black Dog. Black Dog will get his own episode in the future, as he is a legendary member of the Osage Nation. But for now, suffice it to say that Black Dog was there in what's now Claremore in around 1802. And at this point, you might be asking yourself, why were they there in 1802 if Indian removal didn't begin until the 1820s and 30s? This is because though the federal government didn't move many of those tribes from the east to Oklahoma until the 1830s, those tribes themselves largely began moving as early as the 1760s. That, at least, is as far back as I can date Cherokee migration. So long before that land was officially proclaimed to be Indian territory, many tribes were already there. And two of the main tribes that settled in what would be now northeastern Oklahoma and Arkansas were the Cherokee and the Osage. Though they were both removed from other parts of America, they both ended up nearly in the same area. 
And being in the same area, this led to the natural sets of conflict that come when different cultures are forced to live in the same area. So at this point, there are still Cherokee in the east, but the Cherokee that left to come west, we'll call them the Western Cherokee, and that is their general term, were in and around what today would be Arkansas. And there were other tribes there as well as the Chickasaw and the Choctaw. And there were also some white settlers there too. And important to understand before the events of the Battle of Claremore Mound was that there was a long, low-level war between the Cherokee and their allies in the Osage Nation in northeastern Oklahoma of what's now Claremore. A note before we begin with the Battle of Claremore Mound. Researching this event is incredibly difficult because there's many different sources and there's many different uh, lists of casualties and lists of belligerents. For today's episode, I'm going to be using the encyclopedia from the Oklahoma Historical Society as my basis for the narrative of events. What all authorities seem to agree on, though, is that in October 1817, that band of allies, so the Cherokee, the Chickasha, the Delaware, and the white settlers, moved from Arkansas into what's now Claremore and began the Battle of Claremore Mound. If you can really call it a battle, as most of these sources will say that most of the uh, Osage men were off hunting bison at the time, so that village was very lightly defended. And here's where the reports differ. It is undisputed that many died and that were many were killed in the village, but how many were killed and how many were captured remains a hard number to count. We do know that many members of that village were able to escape to certain caves that were supposedly picked out by Black Dog himself. Some reports put the number at Osage dead at around 38, and the Oklahoma Encyclopedia will put it at around 80. The Oklahoma Encyclopedia specifically lists 69 dead being women and children. A further 100 were captured, and the village itself was burned to the ground. There is a plaque near the site of the battle that reads, Site of Battle in Strawberry Strawberry Moon, 1817, when Chief Claremont's Osage Village was wiped out by Cherokees. This Osage band from Missouri had settled near this mound at insistence of fur traders of St. Louis. Osages became wealthiest Indians in Oklahoma by discovery of oil 100 years later on reservation two miles west of Mound. So there's that background of Claremore and why Claremore is called Claremore, even though there's a strong Cherokee presence there where Chief Claremore himself wasn't Cherokee. And it also explains why Will Rogers, a Cherokee himself, was born and buried in Claremore. So, circling back to Howdy Folks, obviously the poem was published in 1941, so we need to go back and understand the names. There's a lot of names in that poem mentioned, and we need to understand our cast of characters. In the names referenced in the poem, they're pretty easy to split up into three groups. The first group are people that were related to Will Rogers as performers. 
The second group were Will Rogers' family, and the third were politicians. In the second stanza, you see references to Irvin S. Cobb, who was a noted writer at the time, to George Cohen, who was a famous song and dance man, who was also a vaudeville with Will Rogers, Fred Stone, who was a stage and screen star, Ammon Carter, who was the publisher of the Fort Worth Star-Telegraph, Correction, Telegram, the Fort Worth Star Telegram. Please don't get mad at me, people from Fort Worth. And Ammon Carter is also the namesake for TC's football stadium, as a little bit of a fun fact. The last name in this group that I'll mention was Eddie Cantor, who was a radio and stage comedian and close associate of Will Rogers. And Eddie Cantor gets a special shout out because he actually played himself in the 1952 uh, biographical film, The Story of Will Rogers or The Will Rogers Story. The second group of names mentioned in the poem, we'll call them friends and family. Uh, The first name was Joe Crossan, who was the famous aviator who returned the bodies of Will Rogers and Wiley Post from Point Barrow, Alaska in their treacherous 1935 flight that cost both of them their lives. Wiley Post was the pilot flying when Will Rogers himself died, and Wiley Post died with him. Wiley Post is also one of the most famous Oklahomans of all time, and he, of course, will get his own episode soon. Here we get another reference in the poem of Will Rogers being dead, where he says, Remember him, Wiley? We slept all the way. The other names of family members there are Mary Rogers, Betty Rogers, and Sally Rogers McSpatten. Mary Rogers was Will Rogers' daughter. Betty Rogers was his beloved wife. And Sally Rogers McSpatten was Will's sister. Fun fact, Sally Rogers McSpatten is my great-great-great-grandmother, which makes Will Rogers my great-great-great-uncle. The last set of names in the poem we'll call, well... Politicians. Politicians might be a dirty word, but it's just a descriptive. The first is Sequoia, who is arguably one of the most famous Cherokees of all time, maybe second to Will Rogers himself. And Sequoia is largely remembered from inventing or discovering or designing the Cherokee written language and really reviving the Cherokee language. After Sequoia, the next politician that's referenced is the president who in 1938 would be FDR. Now, FDR and Will Rogers had, uh, you know, a cordial, close relationship, as Will Rogers had good relationships with essentially all of the presidents in his uh, professional life. The other Cherokee that FDR had very close relations with was J.B. Milam, who in the 1930s would be the Uh, first principal chief of the Cherokee Nation under its reorganization. And he also will get his own episode. And last but not least, and we'll throw him in the political category, even though he himself was not a politician, was O.O. McIntyre, who was a famed American columnist at the time, who had actually followed or died a little bit before Will Rogers, which is why Will Rogers mentions keeping up a date with him in heaven. And O.O. McIntyre and Will Rogers shared the same syndicate, and McIntyre often wrote about politics. And those are the cast of characters in the Oklahoma State poem. 
Before I leave you today, I just want to give a personal message that I, I'm absolutely floored by the amount of support I've gotten, as I said at the beginning of this episode. Please continue to write me emails, to send me text messages with any comments, concerns, or suggestions for episodes you might have. Especially uh, what shocked me the most is the amount of listeners in Europe, specifically the United Kingdom that we got. Uh, if, if any of you are still listening, please uh, email me at chautauquareview.gmail. Uh, excuse me. So that's chautauquareview at gmail. And more because I'm just curious about what, what you want to learn about Oklahoma through this podcast. And I would really like to have your input as well. And finally, because this is a re-record I didn't use any of the material from the last recording of this episode. And in the last recording of this episode, because I recorded it on Ash Wednesday, I actually ended the episode with a recording of me reading a section of T.S. Eliot's Ash Wednesday. I promised a lot of you that I would have this in this episode. And though I'm not putting it in here, I do have that recording. So if you want that recording of me reading T.S. Eliot, just reach out and I'll send it to you. And with that, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. And further, I hope everyone's having a good and productive Lent. And we'll see you next week to talk about the Red River Bridge War. And as always, I'm Will Milam. Thanks for listening.